Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, host and creator of the podcast and SoulfulLiving.com. This is the place people will connect you to their stories, their journeys, and how they've found meaning in their lives. Join us. Let's connect. Connection. But guess what? Before what? I just made myself tea. Say tea. Love that. I have my water and, right here. <laughs> well, this is what my tea bag said. And I feel like it's for you. It says, let your thoughts give hope, guidance, and upliftment to all. And, that's and I was like, oh weird. my gosh. That's weird. Yeah, that was meant to be. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> so welcome to Taylor O'Brien. I gave you not even a minute before hitting record and I realized <laughs> that, <laughs> um, but I am really excited to have you here because you are everything to me that we all want to be. You're brave and beautiful and strong and you're sharing, you know, your story and guidance. And so I'm really grateful. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Amanda. Um, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be on here and to have, you know, the moment to share my story. Um, it's really important to me. So, well, as you know, um, I think that you should just have your own podcast. So maybe <laughs> this will be the start of something, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. So you right now are 27. 28 right? 28 um and you are on today part of the reason is to talk about your journey um with ovarian cancer right correct. correct and the only reason i point out your age taylor um is you know we're both 28 <laughs> <laughs> yes <Sorry>. we are <laughs> <laughs> the only reason i point out your age is because I think a misnomer about something like ovarian cancer is that it would not ever affect somebody as young as you are. Yeah. So first and foremost, can I ask you when you were diagnosed, how old you were, what was that? Absolutely. Like for you? Yeah. So, um, I was actually just, uh, I guess not just, but I was diagnosed, uh, with stage three C low grade ovarian cancer. Um, and I was diagnosed September 13th of 2022. Okay. Um, so that's where I'm kind of at right now. Um, I, I had just turned 28 that, uh, June prior. Uh, so it was a shock to us all. <laughs> and here yeah. I am today. Uh, yeah. So how did it happen that you even, were you feeling sick? Were mm -hmm. you, um, did you think, oh, something's wrong? Like, what was that journey like Absolutely. for you? Um, so I, if you'd like, I can go through my story. Um, sure, I would love from, it. From the beginning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm just 
pulling up my little guide here. So, cause I have a tendency to talk a lot <laughs> to oh, everybody. <laughs> You're talking to the right person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I got to keep myself on track. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would say my issues began in late, uh, 21, uh, 2021, early 2022. Um, so, I it kind of was debilitating stomach like issues, uh, bowel related issues, um, almost like a a stomach bug that you would get like over and over and over again. Um, intense constipation, um, and then intense diarrhea. Like, sorry guys, hate to be TMI, but that's what hey, can. we're all human. So cancer <laughs> it's is. all part of the deal. Yes, yes. <laughs> Um, so it would kind of suck the life out of me. I would be calling out of work, calling out of plans with friends just because I was just so exhausted that I couldn't, uh, be there. I couldn't make those events. Um, so that was kind of around February of 2022. Um, the symptoms kind of worsened, uh, and if, around May of 2022, I decided to go to a, my primary care physician. My husband spoke up and had said to me, you know, I think it's time that we, we, you know, go see a doctor and find out what's going on. Cause I just wasn't getting a break from the stomach issues. Um, so we, I kind of at this point had self-diagnosed myself, which I don't recommend, um, with IBS, um, right. which is a very common thing. Yeah. So I, my best friend had IBS at the time. I thought, you know, my symptoms were just like hers. It's definitely IBS, you know, went into the primary care doctor explaining that I thought it was IBS, um, she pursued, she told me to pursue the GI doctor based on my symptoms um, because it just, she thought it could be IBD. Like we were kind of between the two. And to just explain what IBD is, that could be Crohn's or colitis. Okay. Um, so, and it, we're talking, this is a post COVID world, right? So right. appointments are backed up. Everything's backed up. Um, you know, usually with specialists, you a lot of times have to wait like two months to get in. Like it, it's, it's a problem with healthcare, right? Uh, so I did wait about two months to get in with the GI doctor, um, just to have an appointment with the GI doctor. Um, yeah. So I went to the GI doctor. Uh, I had a lump on my lower left abdomen at this time. Um, but the GI doctor kind of took the IBS, IBD, um, and kind of just ran with that, um, was very like nonchalant about everything else, um, kind of just dismissed the other issues and thought, I guess it was easier to go the IBS, IBD route. Um, but she did want me to get a colonoscopy. So I, that was my first test that I actually had. So this is second week of July of 2022 is when I had, um, the appointment with the GI doctor. I had the colonoscopy 
at the end of August. So I had to wait then for the colonoscopy. I know, I know, ridiculous. That's, that's really crazy. Yes. At this point, I had a very distended stomach. Um, my, my abdomen was a, a little bloated and I'll get into symptoms and whatnot, um, mm-hmm. later on, but, um, I'm going to stick to the story right here. So uh, they do the colonoscopy August 19th. Um, it's inconclusive. They couldn't complete the colonoscopy because my colon was so constricted that she couldn't even fit a peed scope through there. So she tried going down um, through my throat, couldn't do it that way. So she just aborted the procedure. Um, I woke up from the procedure. She told my husband and I that she, she's not too concerned. She thinks it's, she thinks it's scar tissue that had moved over from a right ovarian cyst surgery that I had from cyst removed that I had in 2016. So she thought scar tissue, which I guess can happen. It can move over. Um, but I, I felt a lump again at this point and I didn't think that was the case, but continuing on with the story, um, So I go on vacation, you know, it's August. I have a vacation planned. I come home from vacation. Um, She wants me to get a CT scan done to find out what is constricting the colon. Is it scar tissue? Is it not scar tissue? Um, So it's the Friday before Labor Day. Okay, so this is where we are in the timeline of 2022, Friday before Labor Day. I go in for my CT scan. They give me the wrong contrast to drink. So they couldn't do the CT scan that day. Yeah. Yeah. So they, it's labor day. They gave me the wrong contrast to drink. They send me home. I have to go through labor day weekend without answers again. I get my CT scan. Very frustrating. Very, very frustrating. At this point, I am just a basket case. I, 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 I know something's wrong. I'm confirmed that something is there, but I don't know what, what it is. Um, so I come in, they do the CT scan. I meet with a radiologist after, and this is where you kind of people who get diagnosed with cancer say, this is the moment where, you know, they lose their hearing and like the yes. like, just like like as in like the room spinning you just like because mm-hmm. the radiologist is sitting there telling me so you have four masses in your pelvis and you have some ascites fluid in there um which i've never heard a, i don't even know what that means whatever he wants to know what my symptoms are um, because he's just obviously very concerned based on the scan. Um, at that point, um, I kind of consulted with some clinical family members. Once I found out I had four masses in my pelvis and we decided it was best to kind of take this to a bigger hospital. We had been working with a a local community hospital, um, up to this point. So, and they were wonderful, but, um, it was scary. So we needed to, you know, go down into the city. So that's where my journey with Penn started. (laughs) Okay. 
So, um, yeah. So I went down to Penn the very next day. Um, I went into their ED. We waited six hours to be seen. Um, they did an ultrasound. That was the first test they did because that is the, you know, cheapest, quickest, it, it hadn't been done yet. Um, so they did the ultrasound. We, at this point, so sorry. It's okay. I mean, I can imagine. And first of yeah. all, just waiting, all of this waiting and then this. Yeah. I know. And I know. It is. It is. It's crazy. Um, so they did the ultrasound. Um, and at this point, they consulted with the GI doctor that they had there. And they also had an OB team in there. So they thought it could either be GI related, OB related. They weren't really sure. Um, this was the first time the cancer word popped up. So was after the ultrasound. Um, but they just, again, said I didn't fit the narrative. I didn't have any history. It just didn't make sense. So they wanted me to stay overnight to get the MRI test done, which was really going to be the test that revealed all. So I stayed overnight. I got the MRI done. The MRI revealed that it was no longer a possibility that it would be cancer, that it was likely that it was cancer, ovarian cancer. So we left there with um, an appointment with um, a gyne gynecological oncologist uh, for three weeks later, <laughs> but we were told by the MP who was wonderful that she would do everything in her power to try to plead my case and try to see if we can get it moved up quicker. But the appointment was with the best of the best, right? Someone who, mm -hmm. so it was kind of like worth waiting, but I didn't even go one day. I got a call the very next day saying, can you come in on Tuesday for an appointment with uh, my gynecological oncologist? Um, so I had an appointment with him. I met with him. He told me that it was, you know, likely to be stage three C ovarian cancer, but he didn't know if it was high grade or if it was low grade, but younger women typically get low grade cancer. So he was assuming that it was probably low grade. He also prepared me for the fact that I would probably need a full hysterectomy based on the scans. So they couldn't see any of my, either of my ovaries on the scan, which was a really bad sign because why can't you see the ovaries? So he did prepare me that it was likely that I would need a full hysterectomy he also prepared me that I might need um, an ileostomy bag um, because the cancer had gone to my colon um, and I had woken up with a full, I having had a full hysterectomy and woke up with an ileostomy bag. So I always thank God that he like prepared, my doctor prepared me like that because I feel like if he didn't, I think I'd be, 
I don't know if I'd be handling things as good mm-hmm. as I did, but he was real with me and, you know, didn't sugarcoat things and I needed that. So, um, but going into, uh, the surgery, we're coming down to the end of the story, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so going into the surgery, I, I mean, I was told with my oncologist that I would need, a, you know, a four to five hour debulking surgery is what they call it um, to, you know, get in there, remove all the cancer, clean everything up, um, followed by treatment, you know, um, and I'll get into that in a second. Uh, but by four to five hour surgery turned into a nine hour surgery. Um, it was worse than he, you know, than the scans had shown. Um, the cancer had spread to my diaphragm. Um, so which is protecting my lungs. Thankfully it did not get to my lungs. Um, so he did the full hysterectomy, like I said, removed two feet of colon, uh, removed my spleen, uh, some of my omentum, which is the fatty layer that kind of covers your abdominal like organs. Um, and he stripped, like I said, my diaphragm. So it was a very big surgery. I was told I was going to be there in the hospital for about eight days. Um, and I only ended up being there for five because I'm a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I thought you were going to say eight days, but it turned out to be eight months. I mean, no, just- yeah. So I, I was doing really good and I kind of super surprised everybody and I wanted to just be home recovering, obviously. So, uh, I did everything I could to get out of there. <laughs> So I went on to recovery um, and basically the, we kind of were told, you know, Taylor, you have about six weeks or so of recovery, recovering to do, and then you need to make a decision on treatment. So we were presented with this decision, okay? When you hear cancer, you think it's like pretty cut and dry, like, okay, you do right. You hear chemo, like chemo is like kind of the number one, I guess, treatment that most people are familiar with. So, and we were told that I would have surgery followed by treatment, uh, chemotherapy. And that was the plan. But at the time we didn't know if you remember if it was high grade or low grade cancer, because he couldn't do that until surgery, um, like do the pathology and whatnot. Um, but I found out I was low grade and what that means is the cells look a little bit different, um, with low grade cancer versus high grade cancer. Um, so your chemotherapy attacks high grade cells because they look very different. Um, whereas low grade cells look like healthy cells like they do. So the chemo doesn't always attack those cells. Um, so it, may work for some people, but it may not work for others. So my husband and I had to decide, you know, what, what route we were going to take. Can I ask a a question about that? 
How long had you been married when this all happened? Oh, wonderful. Because you're so young. And I'm thinking these are yeah. huge decisions. Yes. So we had a COVID wedding um, May 1st of 2021. We got married. We've been wow. together for 10 years. <laughs> that, so, that, wow. Yeah. yeah. And what were you dealing with all of this and this whole kind of cycle? What? is your mindset going into making this decision before you make the decision? Are you um, feeling terrified? Are you feeling what? I'm feeling like everything is weighing on this decision and it is the worst feeling in the world. Like, Mm-hmm. I constantly was weighing like the pros and the cons because I sat here and was like, what if I choose one and it, it, the cancer comes back and then I'm going to be kicking myself for not choosing the other. You know what I mean? Yes. So that was a very difficult decision to make um, until I realized that um, it was important to me well, I guess I can go into, I was presented with a clinical trial. So Mm. I have low grade ovarian cancer and there's not a lot. They're trying to get away from um, offering chemo as the frontline treatment. Um, So they created this clinical trial and we're in the third phase. So they're looking to close it after this. Um, And so there's two groups. You can either get chemotherapy followed by the maintenance drug, which blocks um, estrogen, um, or you can get um, put on the maintenance drug alone, which is just um, blocks like hormones because my cancer is estrogen positive. I think I left that part out. Sorry, guys. (laughs) Um, So... So how dare you leave that one detail? I know. <laughs> how dare I? How dare I? So uh, it was easy for me to decide I wanted to do the clinical trial once I found out that was an option because if I can help us decide a concrete plan of action for women with this cancer, so that no other woman has to sit there like me after a diagnosis, after a nine hour surgery and decide, have to pick which way, which way do I go? Do I go with chemo or do I go like, you shouldn't have to be faced with a decision like that. There should be a concrete plan. Um, So I wanted to give back to helping find an answer, you know, a, a concrete plan for women with this cancer. So I'm in the clinical trial. So I was put on the, the uh, hormone blocker pill called letrozole. um, And I am on that indefinitely. So until there is a reason not to be on it. So one thing about letrozole is it's really hard on the bones. Um, so I have to get bone scans like annually. Um, so if this, if I get osteoporosis, which is um, a risk of being on this, they would stop, you know, treatment on this and I would have to go to something else. So um, I do have, you know, a whole 
pair team at Penn that is like watching me like a hawk. Um, I get scans every three months, CT scans. Um, so I'm just on the pill indefinitely. And I am getting the bag that I talked about, the ileostomy bag, uh, reversed um, this coming May. So in a couple of weeks, which I'm very excited about because um, yeah. it's been, I feel like, holding me back a little bit. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, that is my, I guess, story in a nutshell. <laughs> that is some story. So did you go through, I mean, I can't imagine because first of all, even starting with, I feel sick and I feel chronically sick. Yeah. Even before the diagnosis. Yeah. I mean, it. that's a lot yeah. for anyone, especially mm-hmm. somebody, you know, in their twenties, somebody young, somebody just newly married. So what has your kind of emotional journey been like? It's a wonderful question. Um, So I am obviously speaking with a therapist right now. Um, I see her twice a month. Um, She, I was telling her about the podcast and we were talking about it yesterday and everything. And um, we even talked about about some of my strengths together. And I think um, the fact that I am allowing myself to feel the emotions um, and that I allow myself when I'm feeling sad, like I'll cry, I just let it out. Uh, If I'm happy, you know, and it's for something little, like, you know, just relish in that. Um, So I allow myself to feel the emotions. Um, That's And I think that's really important, really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. And what about when you, I'm thinking about when you went to Penn, I mean, was it just you and your husband? How has your family been about this whole situation? How about friends? Is it, I mean, I would think ultimately it's your journey. So -hmm. there's a loneliness in a sense to that because it is you Mm-hmm. who are going through this. Yeah. And I'm I'm just wondering about the role of the people in your life. Yeah. What okay. has that been like? So when we went down to Penn uh, that initial day, it, my support team that day was my husband, my mother, um, and my mother-in-law, um, who I'm very close with. So they were with me in the room for that initial diagnosis appointment. Um, My mom and my husband kind of stuck with me initially for the first couple appointments. And now it's just my husband and I, we go together. Um, Like I said, I have those appointments like every three weeks right now. So we're constantly going there. This is my journey, but I do have to say, um, my husband is going through the emotions just as I am, um, you know, having a hysterectomy and losing, um, you know, the opportunity of ever having kids my own, um, is something that affected both myself and my husband together on the same level. Um, so we did never imagine that ever happening to us um, this close in. So I think it's important 
also caregivers um, should get um, proper attention. And um, he does so much and he feels a lot of what I feel. Um, so yeah. I guess I just wanted to say that part, but my mom, everyone's doing really well. My mom will say that if I'm doing good, she's doing good. I think that's every mom's kind of, yeah. um, yeah. what they say. So, well, I'm in a good spot right now. I'm stable. So my scans are stable. Um, and that's where we want to be for as long as humanly possible. Yeah. And Taylor, how, you know, how do you get through it? I know one of the, the ways you do is by feeling your feelings. Um, do you seek, you know, inspiration? Is there something that you do that kind of helps you to A, process all of this and B, live, you know, a joyful life? Yeah. Great question. Um, I surround myself with, uh, uplifting like support groups and whatnot so uh on facebook there's a lot of support groups that i am a part of um it, it helps to you know connect with others that are going through what i am going through um that beats like any other connection that i have and and that take oh, no yeah. offense to that to anyone any family or friends that I have they just don't get it on the level right. that you know people who are in my shoes get it so yeah I am in you know many support groups I am going on a young adults with ovarian cancer retreat this September oh, that's I'm good going with about 15 other women um so just surrounding myself with those kinds of things, they getting lunch with like, you know, other teal sisters. So that's what we call each other. We're teal sisters. Um, cause teal is our color for ovarian cancer and the ribbon. Um, so we're, we're teal sisters. Um, so any, any time I can get together with them or, you know, it, it's just really rewarding. And I feel like they help keep me grounded for sure. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about um, what you would tell somebody else to look at. Yes. You know, I know you were talking about your symptoms. Yes. What would you say to somebody um, would be warning signs maybe? Absolutely. Um, so some of my symptoms specifically um, are pretty much the um, standard ovarian cancer. Okay. Sign. So, um, well, but I, I just have to interrupt yeah. and say mm -hmm. that's really so, you know, it's, it's very, very important. I think what you just said, mm -hmm. because you just said that your symptoms were standard for ovarian cancer and yet look how long it took for you to be diagnosed. Oh. Yep. That is something very powerful. I think that people should listen to. Um, you are right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Be because if it's standard, then you almost want them to go for the worst case scenario and then work yep. their way up to the irritable bowel, irritable bowel syndrome yep. and, you know, treat that last. So, yeah. okay. But, but go ahead. So the standard symptoms are, you know, were what I was experiencing um, and, Frequent urination is one of them. Um, 
bloating, like, you know, uh, distended abdomen, uh, is along the lines of bloating. Um, sometimes there's changes in periods, which I did not experience. Um, but that is a common one. Um, fatigue, which is again, another like really vague, like a lot of these symptoms as I'm stating them are very vague, which is why it, I think it gets bypassed. So especially as women, we often experience bloating. Um, it's just common stuff for us, you know, um, there could, can be pain during intercourse. That's another really common one. Um, I felt a lump, like I said, on my lower left abdomen, um, which I had, I, I waited to tell you guys this, my PCP, my primary care physician uh-huh. stood behind me and felt the lump and pushed it in and out back in like May, June of 2022. And she was like, Oh, I feel it. It popped back in and out. I think it's a hernia. And then like, we just never like, but that turned out to be cancer on my colon. So <laughs> it's just wow. insane. Yeah. So just pay attention to, you know, you could have like a, an actual lump. Um, so fatigue, frequent urination, uh, bloating, uh, those are yeah. like, common. <laughs> yeah. And I have a friend who always tells me, she's always said this and not that I do it by the way, but she says, always go for the worst case scenario and push your doctor to go for the worst case scenario and then move into the best, you know? Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And bowel related issues is another like into in, because if you think about it, your bowel and the gynecological region, like they are so close together in anatomy. So the cancer will quickly go right to your colon. Like it's just right. Okay. I see. That makes sense. Yeah. I think it's important that GI doctors also are kind of educated on that front as well, because, you know, they are so closely related. Yes. Yeah. Is, is, would, would earlier diagnosis have made anything like, would it have just alleviated a lot of that discomfort? Would it have made a difference in anything? Yes. Um, so earlier diagnosis would have most definitely made a difference. Um, so low grade is also a slow growing cancer, believe it or not. They Mm -hmm. thought that it took about a year for that cancer to grow. Um, my tumor was 17 centimeters, which is just under the size of a soccer ball. Um, so it was, it was huge. Yeah. Um, so I just lost my train of thought. You thought about that soccer ball. Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah. I was just talking about that earlier diagnosis. Like, I guess it would. Oh, yes. 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 Earlier diagnosis. Thank you, Amanda. (laughs) That's okay. (laughs) Losing Um, a train of of thought is the story of my life. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an expert there. Yes. So (laughs) let's say, so I was diagnosed September of 2022. Let's say had they had they done the scans, the tests, 
around May, June, when I was first experiencing like, you know, bowel related issues. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't think, uh, or no, I was told for a fact that it could have been contained to that, you know, it might not have went to my diaphragm then, you know, it, it right. might not have. So yes, the stages, we, ovarian cancer patients are diagnosed at later stages because the symptoms are so vague and whatnot. And that's why it's important to get out that, you know, get the, the symptoms. Get this message out there. Yeah. And, um, and I know from our prior conversation, how important you think self-advocacy is. Yes. Um, so you know, important. because I guess sometimes we want to be polite and we listen and we, you know, and it's hard to push um, people that have more expertise or it is degrees. It's it's it it's a challenge. So I think that that's an important part of your message as well. Yes. Um, I have a question for you. So here we are. You have this diagnosis. What? Where do you find you know fun? I. I and joy and what do you what do you do for for that yeah so I'm a big um family person I so I I find a lot of enjoyment of being around my family and my loved ones um and I love being with my friends which I know I did explain that it's it gets tricky being a cancer patient and there's a little bit of a disconnect now with people that don't quite understand what I'm going through. Um, and I have noticed that a little bit with like my friend groups and whatnot. Um, but it's still good to have a variety of friends, right? So I have my, my teal sister girls. I have my, my normal Westchester university girls. Um, so they all keep me, they all keep me going. They, they, my niece is a, is a huge motivator for me. Um, you know, being that I will never have kids on my own. Um, she is just the light of my world and I just love watching her grow and learn and she makes me so proud. So um, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because you talked about that, the the people who aren't dealing with this, either for themselves or, or their family, what is some advice? So if I'm here and somebody I love or care about or am friends with has either this or some other diagnosis, what is advice that you could give to us? How should we be? Should we never talk about it? Should we always talk about it? Should we, what's, what's the thing for us to do? Advice like a, being like, on like what would make your life more enjoyable so if I have a friend who has cancer you know sometimes we human beings we hate being uncomfortable and we hate yes. being awkward yes. and so what sometimes happens we kind of there's a distance that sometimes can be mm-hmm. um created and what would make your life better? So if I'm your friend, mm-hmm. do I then just suddenly sometimes text you, call you? Okay. Yeah. What's advice in that, that arena? Um, that's a great question. I think 
a lot of people, cancer makes people feel weird, right? Like, how do I, how do I, um, handle this cancer diet? What do I say to the person? How, how do I act around them? Do I bring it up? Um, yeah, so that's a great question. Um, I love talking about my story. I'm an open book clearly. Um, but not all people are, there are certainly triggers in my life. Uh, very big triggers like pregnancy, uh, yes. just, uh, you know, re- very relative, relative stuff. Uh, sure. and I think it's important to let your loved ones, your friends and family know what those triggers are and what bothers you and whatnot, but you can't expect them to like, you know, cater to you. It's just not, you know, reasonable. <laughs> So that is something I'm being honest that I am actually working through with myself right now, yeah. um, because as I'm getting back into the world and and normalcy, um, triggers are all around me, twenty four seven. So I just have to, you know, kind of navigate, figure out how to navigate that a little bit better, but. I think it's important to check in on, you know, your friends with cancer um, and try to be as normal, quote unquote, as possible with them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we're still I'm still 28 years old and, you know, want to go out and have fun and have drinks and whatnot. Um, things may tire me out quicker, um, but I still, you know, want to be a part of those things. So. Act, yeah. act normal. Don't, don't, don't make it out to seem like there is every, anything is really different, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And, and I will also say to you, I know I haven't obviously had your situation, but I do remember having, when my own child was in yeah. a really mm-hmm. horrible health crisis, I know that when I went to the store, I would think how dare people act like nothing is wrong like the world is just going about its business yes I yes. know you know that feeling you yes. can't believe I still that. feel that <laughs> yes and I would do things like if I was checking out of the grocery store I would almost bring it up like I you know. don't know how it's so big and I think it's so shocking and it's there's so many elements to it and I don't think that's wrong. I think it almost like you should, it's almost like jarring. There's like a good side and a bad side. Mm-hmm. The bad side is it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. The loss of it. There's so many losses yes. that you've experienced so and it's not just one of those losses. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I do think that people have to recognize that. So sometimes when you bring it up, it's kind of like snap out. You're kind of waking other people up yeah. also because one day I remember walking, I was walking down my steps. I was at the top of the steps and I was feeling some self-pity because I was feeling like, you know, these other parents can take their kids to McDonald's. It was weird. McDonald's was my, I was like, they can go to McDonald's. And it, if I was told if my daughter got a cold, she would die so I was like they can go to McDonald's and play in that stupid (laughs) and they don't have to risk death 
Mm-hmm. And I remember taking a step on my stairs and thinking, oh no, we're all in the same boat. I've just been shown how ephemeral life is. That's I've just beautiful. been shown. Beautiful way to look at it. You know, they just haven't been shown. I and think so, I hear that, Amanda. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. But I do think that. And I think that that just shifted my consciousness because it doesn't matter if you're waking people up and saying, hey, this is what I'm going through because we all need to be woken up. It also wakes us up to the gift that is life. Here you are, mm-hmm. look at you. You look so vibrant and beautiful. <laughs> I would never know oh, that anything was wrong. So there's also the beautiful gift of that, you know, that we have this technology. It's just such a, like everything powerful in life. It's such a double-edged It is sword. It is. Um, but I do think that we all kind of, I think cancer is a, a, a fearsome word and we've become so kind of afraid of it that we do have to talk more about it. It is. We do. We do. It's um, yeah. And I know, how do you think what you've been through correlates to you know, your purpose, your mission. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that my purpose, basically what I feel like I, nobody is supposed to have cancer, right? Nobody's meant to have cancer, but I do think certain people can handle it a little bit better than others and turn it into something turn it into something. Right. So yeah. Like that straw into gold, that little old fable. Yeah. <laughs> the little Whatever he was on <laughs> the straw into gold. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I'm dealt this hand and I can either, you know, sit and sulk, cry in the corner, let life pass me by, or I can take my outgoing, vibracious personality that I can reach people with this personality and I can teach and I can get my word out and I can educate and who knows, you know, where this will take me. I might end up working in, you know, a career related to this. I don't know. But right now I think my purpose is to really just help other young women um, and not just young, all women, but help other young women. Cause right now this is where I think there is an, a big issue is that young women are getting diagnosed with this cancer that don't even know the side effects or the symptoms. And so yeah. I just think that is my purpose. So I'm meant to, you know, do this job. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I think you have a good point though about young women, because it's not just the cancer. It's also uh, young women and self-advocacy. Like, I think there is the younger you are, the harder it can be to advocate yes. for yourself. Yes. So I think that's such a powerful and important message. And I think advocacy in general, Amanda too, is uh in all of healthcare in in all senses, not even just cancer related. If you think 
you are your own, you are your own biggest advocate. No one else is going to advocate for you. So you need to, if you think something is up, like you need to ask for that extra test. Like no one else is going to do it for you. And that is for healthcare in general. So, yes, yes. Um, that's, that's so good. And, and you're right. It's good. It's important information for, for all of us, for, you know, for any kind of reason, Taylor, um, I admire you so much. I have to tell you, Oh, what did you major in, in, in at Westchester, by the way? I was a business major. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so I always ask this question. Mm-hmm. If you have for the world, you can make one change in this world that we live in. I give you a magic wand to make this one change. What do you think you would change? I feel like everyone always says this, but it's really the truth. I mean, just kindness. I just, I, I, I just wish everyone treated each other with respect and decency, you know, and we weren't so quick to judge each other based on, you know, what we look like or it's, it's really sad. It's sad. So I would want to wave my magic wand and, you know, make everyone kinder and more understanding, um, well, maybe everybody listening to this podcast, if we can give you all just a mission, that's not that hard, yeah. <laughs> you know, Definitely. just make your, you know, we can all try to live a little bit kinder, yes. you know, have a little more patience. You know, I'm always afraid the way I park, I'm like, oh, someone's going to take a picture of my parking. <laughs> and they're gonna post it (laughs) and I'm gonna go viral (laughs) that's it I'm like thank god everybody has my minivan (laughs) they'll they'll never know it's me (laughs) I just have to say thank you I'm so impressed um with your grace and your um dignity and your bravery I think to, you know, you could curl up in a ball under the covers and live in that state, you know, and while I'm sure that there are moments where you are in that state, you don't stay there and you're sharing. And that is really powerful and beautiful. And I appreciate you. Thank you, Amanda. I appreciate you. And I'm this is what I'm passionate about is sharing my story and raising awareness. Um, so I'm just so appreciative that I could be on here today with you. So thank you. Well, when you have your own podcast, I'll make sure that I promote it. We can cross promote Taylor. Yes. And you can be a guest on mine. Awesome. I love it. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider giving it a great rating and following all the things you do when you like a podcast. Thank you to William Aronson for writing, producing, recording the Soulful Connections theme song. And once again, thank you for listening. I hope you keep tuning in.